A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the HNJ Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, with uh, Liverpool in action against Manchester City and getting that guard of honour, we spoke to Alan Fletcher, uh, Dr Carl from Neighbours, a huge Liverpool fan over in Melbourne, to uh, tell us how he felt about the title win after 30 years and uh, tonight's match. Daniel Gray joined us as well to talk about the instant impact that Neil Warnock has had at his uh, beloved Middlesbrough. Uh, We had Paul Cooper on, uh, who appears in the excellent uh, sitcom This Country, big football fan, with a man with an interesting story. So we hope you enjoy that. And a bit of striker, of course. Plus, Andy, with Chelsea losing, had one of his trademark rants. So here it is. Enjoy. I've decided, actually, I preferred it when it was in lockdown, when there was no football. It was much better, honestly. I was a much happier person. My, my wife said, oh, I've forgotten what this is like, she said to me last night. And, uh, yes, it was a bit of a... So had I, actually. Pop. I mean, we, I suffer with her, really. I, whenever I see Chelsea <laughs> lose, I think, oh, God. It's just, I, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily, as a Tottenham fan, want to see Chelsea win, but it just makes my life so much easier. <laughs> Talk about bogey team, honestly. One of the worst West Ham teams I've ever seen, and we've lost six points to them this season. You take that six points off them and give yeah. them to us, which is what it should have been in both games, and mm. basically they're relegated and we're third. It's unbelievable how one fixture. It's incredible. I've been thinking, I mean, Chelsea just had a very poor night. The defence, yeah, Rudiger and Christensen, were pitiful, let's be honest. Rudiger, you've just conceded a goal from a corner that's luckily been chalked off by VAR for no reason whatsoever. So yeah. you're down in that corner. What do you do? You kick it off for another corner when you could easily have cleared it. That is just nonsense by him. As soon as he did it, I went, oh, that's brilliant. Well done, giving away a corner two minutes after the last one. And, of course, they scored from it. Well, you wouldn't expect that they wouldn't. And uh, But I, I just feel West Ham. I mean, really, their league position is a total disgrace. If they can play like that, they should be top six, not bottom four. It's absolutely ridiculous. Their players should give their, the, the club their wages back. I don't know what they've been doing all season. I watched them against Wolves and Spurs. They were pitiful, abject. They couldn't be bothered. They were lacklustre, error-prone. Come up against us. Oh, Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I said to Moose last night, your team plays 50% better against us than any other team in the division. It's yeah. amazing. Even he said it's amazing. I don't understand it. I don't. If West Ham were relegated, oh, please let that happen. But if they were relegated, <laughs> oh, seriously, it'd be worth an extra six points to us each season. 
We've yeah. lost. I think we've beaten them twice in the last nine fixtures between them. It's unbelievable, you know. But there you go. I mean, I couldn't, they absolutely deserve to win. There's no question about it. They played really well. They played much better. Uh, they said, Gary Neville said they've really surprised me. I said, well, they didn't surprise me. That's how they always play against us. That's what they do. West Ham, oh, it's so annoying. But there you go. That's football. Got to get back on the horse and try and win <laughs> against another one of our bogey teams, <laughs> Watford, who we never managed to beat either on uh, Saturday night. So probably Chelsea. Knowing Chelsea, they'll go and win at Anfield. Chelsea, the only team yeah. that can beat Man City and then six days later lose to the worst West Ham team you've ever seen. It's unbelievable. But there you go. That's football. Well, that was Andy uh, from Chiswick, uh, the Chelsea fan. Thank you, caller. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to win 100 quid's worth of Wix vouchers after that. I think you certainly, de- you certainly deserve to. <laughs> I watched a bit of uh, Everton against Leicester. Of course, oh, yeah. what a wasted opportunity by Chelsea to, to, to overtake Leicester. I mean, that was mm. crucial, really. A great opportunity. You think what, going into that game, you think Chelsea would have thought, oh, we've got to win this game. We've got to really... T- oh, no, they just turned up and played the way they did. But, but well done to Everton, who are putting together a decent and run and I was quite surprised to hear Martin Tyler doing the game I was thinking oh, why isn't he doing the game in London then I realised of course it's the big game tonight in the North East which is why yes. Martin was up there and then I thought to myself are the hotels open the North West you mean Northwest, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are, are the hotels open, or did he sleep in his car, or at Jamie Carragher's house, perhaps in the shed? I've no idea. I just wonder where he might have stayed overnight. I'd, I'd say uh, uh, Jamie's house is big enough for Martin to social distance. Uh, <laughs> I would suggest you could probably have a good walk around Jamie's place and not come within about twenty foot mm. of anybody. So uh, I think if, if he did put him up for the night, I'm sure it would have been fine. <laughs> I think that's probably right. And uh, Bernard, uh, Bernard, you must see my man Bernard. I, yeah. I think he must have been self-isolating with a tattooist. He seems to have got quite a few since <laughs> lockdown. Really? Yeah. That's not but, at all possible, unless he's got incredibly <laughs> long arms, the bloke, or he's one of those that can tattoo well, he, uh, off a pole. Know, his partner might be a tattooist. I've no idea. You yeah, know, I, I don't people, know. You, people could, do. you could well be right, yeah. <laughs> it's very unlikely. Though, it's unlikely, yeah. <laughs> very unlikely, really. And uh, what else have we got here? Oh, yes. Congratulations to Bernie Eggleston. And, uh, you know, it's the birth of his uh, son. Uh, He's age 89, not the son. Bernie. That's that's a bit weird. Benjamin Button situation, (laughs) as Glenn would call it. Yeah. I bet bet he can't wait to have a kickabout with a lad in about 10 years' time, eh? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I mean, the thing is, with I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to be callous here, but on... On his 21st birthday, I mean, that thing you often say, blimey, on your 21st birthday, I'll be 68. On your 21st birthday, I'll be 72. <laughs> Poor old Bernie. Let's be honest, unless you're going to break your record. On your 21st birthday, I'll be dead. I mean, it's quite, yeah. quite bleak, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it's quite you know, bleak. It's, it's, anyway, let's not take the shine off it, eh? Congratulations <laughs> to Bernie, Bernie and the missus. Let's not dwell on that, eh? It's going to happen yeah. to all of us, let's be honest. Yeah, of course and, it is. Uh, it's, look, it's inevitable, yeah. Andy. I'm not being nasty. I'm just, it's going to mm. happen, isn't it? Unless, well, Bernie is the sort of man that could, he'd probably still be running uh, F1 for, in the background when he's about 122. <laughs> he probably will be. Well, one of the things I hate, along with losing to West Ham, yeah. is the, the thing when posh people affect a kind of, as if they don't know something. So there's a piece by Max Hastings, the old newspaper editor, in yeah. the uh, Times today, uh, about Wimbledon. He's writing, he mm. says, In this Wimbledon week, tennis fans shed a tear for what we're missing. For 20 years, my wife and I were on the royal box list, which was heaven. Part of the <clears> fun was the serendipity of our fellow guests, who knew nothing about us. While I was often 
shamefully ignorant about them. I remember especially as neighbours Frank Lampard, a footballer, some say, and his nice wife, you know he's a footballer. Shut up. I hate that. <laughs> you telling me Max Hastings in all the times you were anything and Frank Lampard's career and playing for him, you didn't know Frank Lampard was a footballer. You yeah, did. Max, so don't write song. like that because it's rubbish, isn't it? He used there to stand go. on the chicken right. run, didn't he? I'm quite Max. angry today. Yeah, I, th- I can <laughs> yeah, tell that, yeah. Dan Parnell says, uh, God, I've missed this. He's enjoying it. He liked, I mean, you, you might feel you wish the football hadn't come back, but a lot of the listeners like you being as ridiculous as you are after. You'll never be, uh, well, basically, the, the point you'll never get over was, you said to me once, uh, and I mean, I've got the name of the sponsors has changed, and he said of Chelsea, I think after the year after they won the title, and they probably lost to West Ham or something the night before, he said, we'll be in the blue square within five years. I used to love it when we'd go through the next 10 games and you'd say, yeah, that's 5-0 to Shrewsbury in the Cup. Uh, that's 3-1 uh, yeah, to Norwich. It's just, it's just the, it's the ravings of a madman. And it's, it's not know, it is. better, it's a, is it? It's not been good for my health this season, though, because they've been so inconsistent. They've been really good in some games, really yeah. good. That's why they're fourth. But they've been abject in other games. I mean, I mean it, you, what, would it be like, what would it be like if you, like our producer and our old mate Charlie Baker, what would it be like if you were a tall, Key fan, you would have been dead by now, wouldn't you? You wouldn't have made. I wouldn't have wasted. I, mean, I wouldn't have wasted my time. What's the point? <laughs> the point of supporting well, a team not, like Torquay? Oh, Andy, no that's not the point I don't of supporting think there is. a team, is it? Thick and have thin, a chance, mate. You, in a you game. have a lot more <laughs> thick than thin. I think you have to be, have to be thankful for the thick rather than the thing. It's great. I did What's like their the centenary shirt, though. It's very yeah. nice. Ni- I've just seen Torquay are doing a face mask now. They're doing an actual. You can get a, a, a kind they? of medical face mask. Well, I think we might buy one for the producer. so he can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. I can barely hear him down the line as he is, not without a face mask. <laughs> anyway, we move on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. When Chelsea lose, there's only one thing that cheers Andy up. That's uh, neighbours. And uh, with that for in mind, it's, it is, isn't it? It's about the only thing that can it's kind true. of take your yeah. mind off it. That's right, neighbours. Very true. And uh, with that in mind, and <laughs> Liverpool playing this evening to get that guard of honour from City, we're joined now by a friend of the show, Dr. Carl Kennedy from uh, Neighbours, uh, actor Alan Fletcher. Good afternoon, Alan, or good evening to you. Thanks, Paul and Andy. Great to speak to you. I, I missed our chat in April. We were so, I, was, I was supposed to be with you and uh, couldn't get there. That's right, yeah. It's, it's been a fairly I, crazy time. Yes, madness. I, I was I was literally two days away from getting on the plane when uh, when the plane got pulled, so there was no travel, and uh, I'm rather glad I did because, of course, I would have got trapped and uh, had to do two weeks quarantine coming home. But uh, yeah, it's very sad. I'm missing the old dart, and I'm, I have to say, looking at the news of how things have been over there, it's been shattering for over here because you know I, I look at the UK as being like a second home to me, and I, my heart goes out to everybody who's been badly affected by by coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Sure, Alan, it's, it's terrible, you're right. Um, but before we talk about Neighbours, I mean, we should say, first of all, congratulations to you and your club, Liverpool. You what, 30 years. You might, I know you follow them. It's not always easy for you to watch them overnight and funny times of the evening, but uh, you must have been delighted. It was uh, extraordinary. Of course, I didn't find out until I woke up very, very early the day after. Chelsea, thank you. Uh, thank you, Andy. <laughs> I have to say, I, I don't often thank Chelsea for much, but you, you did the deed that day, which is wonderful. Um, yeah, to wake up to that news, the only sad thing, of course, was you, know, you wake up to that news and uh, all your, your inbox is full, your, your you know, social media is full, but you can't be with anybody to celebrate it. And um, 
so I am looking forward to getting back in the, in a new season, and uh, I'm sure that the the experience of the first game back at Anfield will be incredible, incredible. Did you? Where did you uh, you watch the game at home? I take it your son's a big Liverpool fan as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Well, we we watched uh, we watched the um, uh, the first game back, and you know that was a bit disappointing. The, the draw with Everton was sort of going, oh well, that's that's that. Then you know, have to wait a bit longer. But I didn't actually see the Chelsea Man, Man City game until right. I, until I woke up and heard a result. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was extraordinary. I I be honest with you, I didn't think I didn't think that Chelsea was going to beat them. But there you go. I, uh, I expect no, no, we to be beat, a bit longer. We beat them, but we don't beat we we don't beat West Ham. That's the, how it works. Alan. <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> quite, also quite not, bizarre. What? Yeah, uh, I know. I did, I did actually uh, watch the highlights of Liverpool. That game. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks. Liverpool have uh, basically often come over to Australia, haven't they? Obviously, they won't be this summer, but uh, presumably that'll be missed because they've really played to packed houses, don't they? When they play down there. Well, they do. The, the, the time they, when they came to Melbourne, they played at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, and which, as you know, that holds up to 100,000 people. I think it was 95,000 people came down to, to watch Liverpool play. And uh, wow. the, everyone in the stadium stood. Every single uh, supporter from the Melbourne team they were playing and, and Liverpool supporters stood and sang and never walk alone. It is the biggest uh, rendition of that song I've ever heard. It was incredible, but not, not quite as good as it is when you're doing, you do it at Anfield, which is yeah. a much smaller, tighter stadium. Yeah, but mm. it is, it is still remains for me one of the great, um, uh, one, of, one of the great uh, team songs and uh, it, it always evokes so much. It was a bit of a funny game, I remember, because uh, they, they swapped the entire team out at half time and put a new squad on the, on the pitch. It was a bit of a, uh, it was an exhibition match and a bit of fun. Yeah. The, um, the timing's not bad for you, are they, for tonight's game as far as we're concerned so about quarter past six in the morning so yeah, not an early start um but but doable isn't it? it's not like it's a six o'clock game and you're going to be up in the middle of the night that's right yeah i'll be up i'll be up for this one that's for sure absolutely sure i mean this this is a what, what's making this season now fantastic is we've got all these little records to chase now um, some wonderful records to chase. In fact, you know, we've got uh, obviously we want to go for the highest number of points uh, in the league uh, in a year. And we've, we're dead set to win that easily. Um, we, you know, we've we've had so many wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, landmarks. We've had 21 consecutive home wins, uh, um, you know, at one stage, and it's just been quite extraordinary. Um, we've got a 25-point lead at one stage in the in the, in the year. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping we can start smashing some records. Plus, uh, what I'm really looking forward to, uh, guys, is seeing some of the uh, younger players get on the park. I saw Elliot have a run the other day, and he really showed something. And I think uh, I think we'll have the opportunity to start uh, swapping some players in and out. Maybe, maybe giving uh, Minamoto a chance to actually settle down there up front as well and start working with um, Firmino to really get, get his game cooking. Now, uh, Alan, of course, the team tonight will get a guard of honour from Manchester City as they take to the field. And I was thinking it's a bit like the cast of Home and Away, giving you a guard of honour at the Logan Awards as you're going to, to accept yeah, that, your How do you think honours. that would... I mean, if you, had to, if you had to do that, if you had to do that, Alan, say Home and Away won an award and you didn't, would you be, how would you feel about giving a guard of honour to their cast? 
I'd be very hard. I, I think I'd have to turn my back. It'd be a bit, tri- <laughs> a bit tricky. <laughs> now, well, we, uh, Neighbours actually was inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame, the Television wow. Hall of Fame over here, uh, mm. well before Home and Away. So they've always followed us. And, <laughs> well, there's obviously a little bit <laughs> of uh, a little bit of edge, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. They they do actually spank us a bit over here in Australia in terms of audiences, but we we outdo them in the UK, which is. Uh, uh, the big, the big market. So, um, but you know, there's a wonderful rivalry between us. And to be honest with you, you just, you just want to see people working uh, with this coronavirus. So many entertainers have lost their jobs, but um, mm. Neighbours is working, Home and Away oh. is working, and a few shows have started going back. Wentworth is back working again. So, we're slowly, we're slowly getting that ball rolling. Of course, the sad thing is, we won't have any theatres open for quite a while. No. So, um, I've had to postpone my. My UK tour again. I, I oh. moved it from April to September this year, and now it's um, uh, impossible. So I'm actually going to take it right out to September 2021. Then I'll be uh, be over. The uh, have you, so you've been able to keep filming. I mean, a lot of our soaps here have sort of come back into a socially distanced world, you know. And obviously, it, it, it's a kind of will they, won't they plot line. The answer is they won't. I would imagine. Um, so, what's, what's, it been, what's it been like for you uh, filming stuff? Well, to say it's very cautious would be an understatement. The we, we basically we had a four week hiatus, um, which we could we could afford to do, while our incredible production team put together a a COVID safe environment, and um, it's it's really quite a complex arrangement we have with social distancing and sanitization and so forth and no intimacy no touching maintaining distances and so forth but it's incredible what great directors great camera people can do uh with with camera angles and so forth to make it look as though people are closer than they really are and that sort of thing so um i I haven't actually seen any of the episodes yet being shot in this new covid way but i'm assured by the producers they look virtually the same as Neighbours ever has, and people won't notice a huge difference. So um, I hope everyone sticks with us. I think think people are going to be certainly some fantastic storylines. I know that much. It's good. I, I saw one picture where Piers was kissing the his wife Chloe was in the mirror and he was kissing the mirror. Yep. So it looked like it looked like he was kissing her. It was very clever, actually. So uh, yeah, there's a Yeah, I saw I saw the other day that Bold and the Beautiful are, are using blow up dolls. Uh, for, really? For intimacy, see. Yeah. For, they, Sorry. That sounds that sounds bold, but not particularly I beautiful. I can't imagine you. I can't imagine. With, <laughs> I can't imagine you with a blow up Susan. I'm afraid. Yeah. No, no. You can't buy one, can you? Any of if you? I know you. I'll, I'll get you one for Christmas. I'm oh, sorry. This is getting well, this is this is getting out of hand. It's, yeah. it's just, just it is, is the afternoon over there. No, seriously. Yeah. Apparently, they, they they dust off these um, these blow up dolls, and, and by you know, changing the wigs and so forth, they can actually shoot shoot what looks like kisses from the back, and the wig, of course, completely disguising what's going on. Um, oh. I, I've yet to see it in action. I, I haven't watched an episode of Bold and the Beautiful in a while. <laughs> It sounds pretty. Sounds pretty bonkers. Wow. Well, look, uh, Alan. Always, always a pleasure. We will catch up with you soon, and um, and uh, we hope to see you soon. It's going to be next year now, but uh, look, we'll keep in touch and say enjoy the game, enjoy the guard of honour, and uh, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, and everyone. Please, please stay safe. Look after yourselves out there. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Ready to pop the question. 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport. Barrow, of course, got a win under Neil Warnock. Three training sessions, effectively. And uh, the old man's working his magic uh, once again. We spoke to uh, author and Barrow fan Daniel Gray, who, uh, who was quite glad to see a change-up of manager when, uh, on the day that happened, sort of last Wednesday. So we're very pleased to say he rejoins us now. Good afternoon, Daniel. Hello, thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure, yeah. We just wondered. I mean, did you a 2-0 win against Stoke at the weekend. Did you see anything? that was different from the Woodgate era in that one match? It's going to be the words you'd expect me to use. They were organised. Each man (laughs) was in his place and he knew what he was doing. It it seems so simple, this game at times, doesn't it? A new manager comes in and people suddenly start standing in the right place, remembering how to mark, remembering where to run, and even putting the ball in the back of the net. It it always mystifies me. 30 years of loving this game, and still you don't know quite what a new man does differently in, as you say, a few hours, effectively. Yeah, and Neil would be the first to say he never had anything like the playing career of a guy like Jonathan Woodgate. And if you think if anybody Mm -hmm. uh, could organise a team and get them, as you say, to stand in the right places and do their job, it'd be someone who played for Real Madrid uh, and in the very top division with Leeds, etc. So uh, it's it's strange, isn't it, really? Does it sometimes prove that... I mean, he could come again, Jonathan Woodgate, and a lot of people have been saying nice things about him, but just an old head, a lot of experience as a coach, and and sometimes that's that's just what you need. Certainly at times like this, I was watching a clip of the new kickoff that he tried um, where a whole bunch of players went to one side and how Johnny Housen popped the ball over, but it went out for a throw anyway. And that reminded me exactly of early 90s football because I swear that that was Lenny Lawrence's trademark kickoff. So it's nice for retro fans like me as well. Yeah, yeah it's amazing how effective it is. I mean, you can, you can argue it's old school, but somehow it works and the players must be buying into it. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't have got that victory. That's absolutely it. And seeing the enjoyment of them, I think, whether it's a short term or a long term thing, it's really, really nice to see. And and it is. It's it's an amazing thing. And you end up really liking him. I really like him already after years of I might even have chanted at him myself. He just gets gets to you immediately. (laughs) His his post first post match interview was brilliant. He just talked about how he'd cleared off 
one of the players, um, Rudy Gested, that's pretty much taken the pee out of the club, really, with a million pounds a goal over three years. And you just think, I really like this guy. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's taught, he said oh, yeah. they need to be a bit nastier. There's some quotes ahead of today's yeah. game. He said, we want one or two nasty people around the place. He said, well, I do. You talk about St. Arves, but they uh, just don't make them anymore. Uh, they just seem to coach passing. <laughs> It's a shock sometimes <laughs> when they find they have to head the ball well, and put it in where it hurts. He's got a point, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just he wants a bit of character in the side. It, it is a general thing with football, isn't it, anyway? But to speak of Borough, we've not had that since Grant Ledbitter left, a centre midfielder, a real leader, a guy that got players by the scruff of the neck and other things and got the fans going, you know. And that's probably, yes, that probably is something general in football but my niche example of this squad is comes through autograph hunting with my daughter i've never known a nicer bunch of players which is really lovely and she comes away thinking god they're such nice blokes but sometimes i just want some old-fashioned git to push through refusing to sign and pulling a face at some of the (laughs) selfie requests (laughs) (laughs) would you imagine that the uh, players saw the same video we watched last week i'd imagine they did the one on youtube of neil absolutely tearing the Sheffield United players to pieces. You know, if I was a player, I think, well, I'm a bit frightened of this player. Or, or was it the Chicago you know? Bulls? I mean, I think, I think <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. He'd, been <laughs> cut, he'd been cut in with Rodman and uh, Jordan, <laughs> hadn't he? Which was very good. That's brilliant. There's, there's another good one on there, isn't there? There's a Huddersfield Town one. I thought exactly the same as you. Do players go on to YouTube, especially young players now who will never have played under anyone who shouted at them like that? Yes, yeah. exactly. I thought that. I thought on Friday night, we were thinking, God, I better not do anything wrong because I'm watching YouTube and this guy. Is fearsome. Yes. Now you. Yeah, you it's funny. Maybe it's uh, serendipity. But you popped. You, you walked along your street, and in the local second-hand bookshop, there was the beaming face of Neil Warnock from the well, it, uh, from the Blades era, staring out. At yeah. You. It's e- it's even better than that. It's just in our streets, our terraces. Someone in Edinburgh, this is had, had left le- leaves out boxes of books. Various neighbours have done it during lockdown, and there's right. never been anything there for me over the weeks. And then there it is today, the only football book, Warnock, made in Sheffield. So took that very quickly. <laughs> and as a football Good. fan, you've got to say it's a sign. You always say these things, don't you? It's a sign. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you had a chance to have a flick through yet? Has anything? I have. I've had a. Yeah. yeah, it's it's surprisingly tender. It's very well written, as you'd expect, because Oliver Holt was the writer that worked on it. Mm. But surprisingly yeah. tender, talking about his family and his mum, who had multiple cirrhosis, which I didn't know, and, and died when, when he was young, which he sort of blamed himself for. So very different side. But, of course, uh, great lines in it. He calls Carlos Tevez football's equivalent of a murderer out on bail. <laughs> due to the West Ham so <laughs> words not mint. <laughs> interesting. Uh, <laughs> I always love the picture plates in these books, and there's one of him um, as Scarborough manager, where I swear he looks like Christopher Eccleston, who could maybe play him in Warnock the movie, which I'm now going to pitch <laughs> when I've read this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I don't know if you take to the forums uh, at all, Daniel. I just is, you, is, this, is the general feeling you think about the new manager? If your fellow Borough fans feeling the same? It seems to be almost universal, yeah. I think we felt a bit messed around by certain players, so that statement after the game about Rudy Gestead was a good thing for us. The football they played was... And we know deep down, we just cannot go down. It's it, It'd be a disaster, really. And this is the man to keep us up. So, yeah, fairly universal. 
We, uh, our only real experience, of course, Neil worked for TalkSport for a long time and did the breakfast show. And uh, mm. But uh, he was doing Cheltenham a couple of years ago, wasn't he? We were staying in the same hotel and we went with Neil in the car to the course. And I was trying to get his catchphrase in there. I did eventually say, I've always wanted to be a jockey, me, me. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've noticed, <laughs> Neil does, he does love a me. He, you'll notice Daniel. I love Daniel, that, me. He's, I, I, love, I love his books, there, me. Do you know... That'll fit enormously well on Teesside. That's very much a, a, a hook of Teesside speech as well. Oh, so we love him. We love him, us. I don't know. <laughs> Already. <laughs> yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. So, Andy, uh, we, we have a bit of time. Yes. Uh, if, if there's anything okay. you'd like to share with the class that isn't uh, Chelsea <clears throat> rant related. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Have you seen a US firm have invented uh, food firm Stufa have created a tabletop machine called Mac on Tap that serves macaroni cheese from a tap? That's just what <laughs> obese Americans need, and they have a tap on your table with instant macaroni cheese. Brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, it does sound still... a touch worrying. It's all a bit too easy, isn't it? It's not very thirst-quenching either. That comes out of a tap. It seems a bit odd. And I did think that when all this social distancing came in, this would be the end of the selfie, you know, yeah. because you couldn't go up to people. But a Manchester United fan, I'm honestly, people, they just lose their jobs over things like this. He's been sacked after breaching, breaching social distancing guidelines to get a selfie with rival city ace Riyad Mahrez. And you think... Was that worth it, really, to lose your job? Just so you could go out and put your arm around Riyad Mahrez. I just think it's one I mean, of those moments where you see, it's, it's a really difficult thing. I mean, we saw it last night. If you look at some of the goal celebrations last night, I mean, I'm not blaming Arsenal mm. players for this. Cedric Suarez scored his goal. He's, he comes on, he scored a goal. They're all, you wouldn't have thought it's like it never happened, but they get lost in the moment. And I think everybody's mm. doing their best, but now and again... People will get lost in the moment, and you have to cut them some slack. And this guy he, saw Mahrez, his mate's a City fan, someone famous. To be fair, I doubt if City mm. were massively impressed that he stood there with his arm around some punter <laughs> who could have had it. But I mean, I just exactly. think he doesn't want to say no because he doesn't want to come across badly because they'll end up on social media being slagged off for being standoffish, although he's got every right to be standoffish, at least two metres offish um, <laughs> at so, the yeah. moment. And, and the guy's got himself into trouble because he just got lost in the moment. And I think, as I said, it, it's difficult and sometimes it looks bad, but you just have to cut people a little bit of slack at times, I think. Yeah, no, you probably, you probably do. Have you seen all this thing about salt, designer salt? I mean, not no, about you, that. but <laughs> to me, I've tried these, some of these Himalayan pink salt and this have sea really? salt. And the, oh, it's rubbish. It's just salt. Honestly, there's no How much are you paying for the Himalayan pink, Andy, these oh, days? Oh, yeah, what quite you a lot, up for? I'd say. Yeah. I have no idea. It's not something I buy on a regular basis. Um, but there's a, a new recipe book that devotes a quarter of its pages to the use of salt. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, really? Uh, he insists this bloke that it's not a case of the emperor's new clothes. I never use table salt, he said. I, I know it sounds pretentious. Yeah, it does. But I just don't have it. The anti-caking agent gives it a weird taste. I use a big jar of Sicilian Trapani salt. From <laughs> Honestly, well, these I, people really... I like that on me Can chips. you believe this? Yeah. You're going to chips, I'll oh, yes. have gravy and Sicilian patrami. If you haven't got any Himalayan pink. With vinegar. Yeah. Well, of course, balsamic probably, very old. A bit of curry sauce Honestly, on them. Yeah. People have gone back. We both noticed these economy shoes by Lidl, these trainers, which are wow. actually really, they, really nice. They did look and, very um, much like the, the quite expensive Nike ones you've bought in the past. Yeah, they are. They're sure. made by the good people at Lidl. They're 14 quid a pair. There they are. They've got that kind of the, the, the company colours. 
with the Lidl logo, and apparently they've been a big wow, haven't they? They've sold out. Yeah, they're going for 30 times their original price because they're only 14 quid in, in Lidl, but uh, on eBay, they're going up to 450 quid. And we know from that program, brilliant program, wasn't it, on BBC Three about trainers, people will pay any any sort of money for something that's rare that they want. So uh, yeah. there you go. Uh, I don't know, I was reading uh, Arthur Edwards, the royal photographer for The Sun. He oh, yeah. delighted to be back at work for his first time. He's, you know, he's getting on a bit, Arthur, so he's got to watch himself. And uh, <laughs> this is, uh, no, he has. Oh, and of uh, this is the first time that uh, he's been back and he very much enjoyed taking photos of Prince Charles but at the end of the article was this bit. Uh, Prince Charles made more than £1 million from Cornish people who died without a will in the year to April thanks to an old law relating to his role as Duke of Cornwall. Well that sounds fair doesn't it? <laughs> it's incredible really. <laughs> Can't have a rule like that. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that dies, if he's not living it, I'll have the money. Well done. That doesn't wow. seem right. Surely you should just go to the revenue or something like that. The exchequer, as they say. Yeah, Still, no idea. I don't know how it works. This is, this is another one as well. The pubs can show live football when they reopen, mm. but it must be on quietly, and the fans have to keep their voices down. How is that going to work? <laughs> That's wow. not going to happen, is it? You know, if you're going into a pub and you're watching football, and say it's Tottenham and they score tonight, you, you know, it's a last-minute winner, you're not going to sort of go, oh, well played. <laughs> Why be, like, be quiet? Is this so you don't start shouting and potentially spitting and passing the virus by, okay. I mean, yeah. football in pubs, we may come back to this with someone in the trade, but football in pubs is so much the lifeblood. And, um, you know, the, the pub's going to be going through a lot when they uh, reopen. Uh, and the idea that people could go in there and watch football w- would be fantastic for them. It would put a few more bums on seats. Well, it? of course. And one pub, though, has done a very good thing. I think probably a lot of pubs will do this. It's, uh, it's in Eastbourne, and they've got a contact book in the pub. So as soon as you enter the pub, yeah. you have to put your name and address. And then if anybody in the pub at a later stage comes down with the virus, then they can then be traced, all the people that have been in the pub. It's, it's like their own tracing system. I, I thought, well, that's a decent idea, actually. I think, I think the idea was that that was going to happen on a, on a pretty regular basis. There was talk of that. Um, I'm venturing into a pub mm. on, well, a kind of restaurant of a pub at the weekend. So I will report back. Andy, and, uh, and tell you what, what what it's all like. But anyway, <laughs> okay, that's we, good. Will we? Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's bring you Striker, shall we? Uh, Steve Bruce's murder sure. mystery, episode sixty-eight. This is uh, one of three books written by the great Steve Bruce, the Newcastle manager. Fine win for him last night, guiding him to uh, more than safety, of course, at the moment, pushing for Europe potentially. But uh, anyway. Uh, letters for town manager Steve Barnes. Sorry, I thought that was in the book. I got confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no letters for. They're trying to come up from the championship. <laughs> okay, fine. And uh, letters for town manager Steve Barnes is in a cab on the way home from the training ground, reflecting on the pressures, pre- pressures, on the pressures, should I say, of being a football manager. <laughs> it's hard to relax. The last thing you need to add to this burden of pressures is a murder charge and harassment on the road home from speed cops. I warned the driver to be careful of his speed. As it happened, I needn't have worried. If the police were still watching my movements, and I would have been very surprised if they were not, they were watching for a Jaguar XJ8, don't forget, 3.2 litre, automatic gearbox, cruise control, very nice, comes in a range of colours. At the moment I was sitting back in the comfort of a top of the range Peugeot. Don't know much about that brand though. I arrived home safely and quickly. It was the return of the prodigal son. My wife had a meal ready. Traditional English, beef, vegetables, 
roast and mashed potatoes and thick brown gravy. She knows what I enjoy. The children were all over me. I watched the EastEnders. Everybody seemed to be moaning about their lot, as seems usual in that soap. Is nobody in Albert Square ever happy or contented with their lot? They should try a week of being a soccer coach and manager. They'd soon be counting their blessings. I asked Susan not to accept any telephone calls. For the next 12 hours, I was incommunicado. It's a great song by Marillion, that. Not available. Offline. Fast asleep. Not to be disturbed. Soon, I fell into a deep sleep. At three o'clock, I woke with a start. I felt very thirsty. Treading gingerly, anxious not to disturb Susan or the children, I went to the kitchen. As I did so, I thought I heard a noise. I did not switch any lights on. I know the house well enough. That was my mistake. As I looked inside the fridge, suddenly feeling peckish as well as thirsty, I heard a sound behind me. I turned. Someone was in the kitchen with me. And that someone was armed. Wow, wee, what a place to leave. Wow. Why Steve Peckish? He's just had roast and mashed potatoes and beef <laughs> and all the trimmings. That's worse, that's worse than Parry having roast and mashed potatoes. For like Tony sake. Soprano. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, it, it, talking about EastEnders uh, actors yeah. uh, wanting to spend a day in his shoes as a football manager, he's had quite a few duff duff moments, hasn't he, really? Uh, Steve, when yeah. you can hear those EastEnders drums coming. You won't believe it, Steve. The Saudis are coming in. They're buying out Mike <laughs> Ashley. Well, that's a very slow burning plot there. Get out of my club. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, also. Steve, you won't believe it. Joel Linton's just scored at home. Duff, duff. You could hear it. So many duff, duff moments. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. During lockdown, one of the most watched TV shows uh, on the uh, BBC iPlayer was This Country. Uh, people either went back and watched it uh, or, or discovered it for the first time, looking for something new as people gave recommendations, which was, I'm sure, great for everybody involved. Um, and a clip emerged um, on social media the other day, which didn't go out in episode two, which was very funny. And unfortunately, it's far too fruity for us to play at this time of day. <laughs> but it was very funny. And um, Paul Cooper, who plays Martin Mucklow uh, in the series, uh, uh, was front and centre in this. And I just I went along and I just checked out uh, Paul's profile uh, on social media and... There's a lot of love for football in there, so I thought we should get him on for a chat, and we're very pleased to say mm. here he is. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, guys. Yeah, shame we can't play a bit of that clip, because <laughs> it was... It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was very... all ad-lib as well on the night. We just made it up on the night, so... Yeah. Normally the best, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the boys there, they're just trying to keep a straight face, as is often in, in, in the case when you're, when you're doing a sort of riffing on something like that. They, they, they just about held it together. Well, yeah, we had, we had quite a few takes, and uh, I was being... They kind of use apple ties for, for kind of lager, so I was being... Um, apple ties was being poured into mine, but um, Charlie and, and Jimmy uh, would kind of ask the guy behind the, the... the extra behind the bar to keep pulling them pints, so I think it was on about the sixth or seventh <laughs> pint they were on when that little clip came on. <laughs> Wow, it must it, it it was great series, um, three series they did, didn't they? So it it's it must have been a great thing to be involved in. Yeah, amazing, especially so you know I'm not an actor, you know, so to to get a chance to be in a uh, a BAFTA winning comedy at kind of in your sixties is is unbelievable. So uh, 
uh, yeah, thanks to the kids for that because there's no way I would have been on it otherwise, I guess. <laughs> so you're, I didn't know you as an actor. You're, I know your brother, your real life brother, who's, who plays who plays your brother in the series. He's oh, yeah. an actor. And the kids. So is, how did how did yeah how did you get involved? Well, well, Daisy, Kerry, and Charlie um, Curtin are my kids. So oh. um, and, and they wanted mm. they wanted um, uh, they, they were casting for for the Kerry's dad. And Kerry said, you know, you, you look a bit like me, uh, kind of poor girl. And so um, uh, have, have a go at it. So I said, well, you know, what, what, what do I do? What kind of voice do you want? And they said, listen to the, the go on YouTube and listen to the, the Fred West police interview tape. That's the voice we want. So I did. And uh, I was lucky I got the part. It's a fairly dark, a dark reference point, isn't it, it's really? A but dark, a, isn't it? Sometimes yeah, really. you have to, yeah, well... Yeah. So uh, tell us a bit more. As I said, when I checked out um, your profile, uh, you're involved in, I mean, you're a Fulham fan to start with. So uh, is that is that a sort of, is that a local thing, geographical thing? No, I mean, I'm, I, I'm living in kind of Gloucestershire, it, but it was actually Charlie that got me into to Fulham about 16 years ago. Um, we kind of went out to London and wanted to go to a match. So we went to uh, Fulham and just Craven Cottage, you know, just, just mm. we kind of fell in love with the place and the club and the fans, you know, and um, been kind of an ardent supporter ever since, you know, so we're both, we're both season ticket holders there. Yeah, yeah. What do they do then, the, uh, this organisation? I see they've got a National Children's Football Week that they've just had. Or yeah, that's the National Children's the Football tomorrow. Alliance that, uh, that I, again, yeah, I noticed. Right. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I, it's something I do in my spare time, and I'm, I'm a director now. We've been going for 12 years. Uh, a colleague of mine, Ernie Brennan, got me on board at early stages, and we've been a charity now for two years. And most of what we do kind of revolves around... Um, uh, the Flanders Peace Pitch, which is just a grass pitch and, and, and simple changing rooms, which is basically on the site of uh, the Christmas Truce, the 1914 Christmas Truce, and also by one of where one of the games was played um, during the Christmas Truce between, between the, the Allied soldiers and the Germans. Mm. And our, our whole kind of premise is, you know, if you can have a, a game of football against your enemy during World War, then, then anything's possible. So we twin pitches uh, around the world with the Flanders Peace Pitch and then kind of kids from those areas come once a year for, for a week. Um, so it's fully funded in, uh, in Europe. So we, you know, we have kids from kind of last year uh, from Belfast, from England, down in Essex. And then we have refugee children based in, in uh, Belgium. Uh, and then we have various other European countries. And we also do some fundraising to get guests from from another country so we had um uh kids from india from the slums last year and this year we are um, we, we've got a um a this country versus that country football match charity hmm. football match to raise funds for israeli children's both both jewish and arab um kids to come over uh so but it's brilliant these kids just all come on and football is just such a, a international language you know it's it's a common language and and they they become ambassadors for peace they stay there for a week they do various sports and they do kind of art graffiti and drumming and, and go around to all the kind of memorials and war walks and stuff and, and have an incredible week and, and just all wow. bond together amazing fantastic 
So, Paul, have you? Uh, what are you saying? You're, are the things you're planning to do? Have you got the bug for acting now? Is that you, you want to do more? I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, because because my normal job is I I work uh, in hoarded homes with with hoarders, so it's quite a contrast. Yeah, I saw really? I saw that story. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, and and so this is. I mean, you know, we've seen it over the year on TV shows. It's probably the infamous Mr. Trebus from Life of Grime that I think most people saw all those yeah. years ago as as a as a as a sort of hoarder. Yeah, I've seen many many Mr. Trebuses. Yeah, you know some. Fantastic people, um, and, and it affects about six percent of uh, the population of people with hoarding behaviours. And uh, but it's something quite scary, like one in three, one in four fire deaths are hoarding related. So it's, wow. it's about making things safe and uh, you know making sure people are on radar. Um, and I think we're going to get a lot more people with hoarding behaviours because after COVID, with kind of people dying and lockdown, you know the, these. Triggers the the main trigger is is bereavement. So, uh, um, yeah. What led you into that? Was that something that that you'd you'd had issues with yourself? Um, No, not not particularly. Well, we had there was a family member that that had some um, hoarding behaviours. So it was kind of that was certainly of interest. But it it just kind of appealed to me. It was just so interesting. And watching Mr. Trebus, you know, that Life of Grimes series had such an effect, you know, back in the noughties or whenever it was on. Um, And this opportunity came up and uh, it is fascinating, absolutely fascinating about, you know, just seeing people in in those circumstances and and why they've got into those circumstances because of various kind of triggers, you know, so which which are kind of numerous. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, lovely to talk to you, Paul. Thanks very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We return tomorrow from one. Hope you can listen. But if not, the podcast will be available, as always, at around five. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tools. Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.